Hi everyone, welcome to How to Live, a podcast that explores ways to live a good life. I'm your host Sharad Lal. This is episode 44. Today we're going to dive into a topic that might make you consider leaving this podcast. Death. But let me assure you, this is not going to be sad or morose. In fact, by the end of the episode, you might even feel energized. Like many, I used to think talking about death was taboo. I held superstitious beliefs, fearing discussing death would bring misfortune or harm to someone I love. However, life confronted me with the deaths of people I loved, and during my healing process, I found myself compelled to explore the concept of death more deeply. As I delved into it and studied death from different angles, I became fascinated by this topic. While we humans don't have all the answers, we've gained substantial knowledge about death. My perception of death has changed from viewing it as a dark and terrifying place to considering the possibility that it might be peaceful. In today's episode, join me as I unravel the mysteries of death. We'll discuss near-death experiences and the insights they provide. We'll explore what scientists, psychologists and philosophers have to say about death. And finally, we'll look at how to think about our own mortality. Once again, I want to assure you that this episode will be fascinating and uplifting. So stick around and let's explore this topic together. But before getting to the episode, thank you very much for supporting the podcast. With your support, folks in over 110 countries listen to us and we are in the top 5% in the world. Do consider following us on your favorite podcasting platform. If you love the show, please do rate us. Thank you in advance. Now back to the episode. In the 1970s, a medical doctor and psychologist named Raymond Moody came across something very fascinating. While working as a medical student in the hospital emergency room, he would see many people die under his watch. Surprisingly, several patients who were pronounced dead would later come back to life. But what was even more surprising were the profound experiences these people reported. They described being in a peaceful place and coming back with a stronger sense of purpose. The fact that so many people shared similar experiences made it clear to Moody that this wasn't just a coincidence. He was intrigued and decided to dig deeper. Moody set out on a mission to learn more about near-death experiences or NDEs. He interviewed 150 people who had been through NDEs, folks who were pronounced clinically dead but were revived later. What he discovered was astonishing. While all these individuals had slightly different experiences, they had very similar structures to their stories. They talked about leaving their bodies, going through a tunnel, encountering a bright light, and feeling immense peace and love. Some even met deceased ones or spiritual beings. and when they returned they felt a deep sense of calm and clarity the sheer number of people independently sharing these experiences convinced moody that these stories were not made up his work was groundbreaking at the time and it sparked further research into ndes it has also changed my perspective on death i began to believe that death isn't necessarily all bad it isn't necessarily miserable and dark it could actually be a peaceful place if you take a moment to explore youtube and listen to people talk about their near death experiences you'll find the energy with which some of them talk might move you as well now let's venture into the 1980s and meet another fascinating man 
Dr. Brian Wise. Dr. Wise was as logical and analytical as they come. He'd completed his medical degree from Yale and a psychiatry residency at the New York University School of Medicine. One of his patients, Catherine, was struggling with anxiety and phobias, and traditional therapy techniques weren't working. Feeling frustrated, Dr. Wise asked Catherine to go back to the origins of her symptoms. To his surprise, Catherine began describing her life from 4,000 years ago in ancient India, providing vivid and incredibly specific details. Dr. Wise didn't believe her, but he decided to conduct some research by talking to experts. To his surprise, everything Catherine said about ancient India turned out to be right. This opened his mind, and he met many other patients, including children, who shared detailed information that they couldn't have known or fabricated. This started making him believe that we might have multiple lives. There could be a soul that travels from one life to another. This was again path-breaking work, and it gave rise to the practice of past-life regression therapy, which is used even today. For these two stories, it's worth pointing out that NDEs and past-life regression are still being studied, and there isn't full consensus in the scientific community about this phenomena. Now, we don't know for certain what happens during and after death. Scientists tell us that clinically, the brain ceases to function and all bodily functions stop. But what happens to consciousness? Does it stop or does it continue? We'll never know this for certain. The purpose of sharing these two stories is to add another perspective to this uncertainty about death. Many of us associate death with sadness and darkness. This is reinforced by movies, books, songs, everywhere. The fear comes from uncertainty and assuming the worst-case scenario. That's how our brains are wired. These two stories may not instantly convert you into a believer of souls and peaceful experiences during death, but they can helpfully plant seeds of doubt in our one-track understanding that death is inherently negative. It encourages us to question and explore alternate perspectives. Now, if the idea of souls and peaceful experiences does not resonate with you, that's perfectly fine. But it's essential for all of us to manage our fear around death. This runs deeper than we realize. Anthropologist Ernest Becker, in his Pulitzer Prize-winning book, The Denial of Death, beautifully describes this fear. Imagine being aware from a very early age, that you will eventually die. We are the only creatures with this knowledge. This fear of death resides deep in our subconscious, influencing everything we do. Our worst decisions, irrational behaviors, all this can be traced back to this deep-seated fear. Becker's work was so groundbreaking that it even challenged Freud's theory at the time. Freud believed that human behavior stemmed from repressed sexuality whereas Becker believed that human behavior stemmed from repressed fear of death. Side note, Becker's book Denial of Death is a part of pop culture. It showed up in a memorable scene from Woody Allen's movie Annie Hall, where he presented this book to his girlfriend Diane Keaton on their first date. It was a funny scene about Allen's character who was obsessed about death. This book wasn't only influential in pop culture. In fact, it was an inspiration to a very important theory regarding fear of death, the Terror Management Theory, or TMT. According to TMT, the fear of death can do two things in us. Firstly, 
it can strengthen our cultural view. We align stronger to our culture, religion, history. This is because we want to feel a bigger sense of belonging. The other thing it does is make us want to increase our self-esteem. We feel the need to have an impact that can live beyond our death. In a way, it's fighting our death and trying to become immortal. These two things are often subconscious and can have both good and bad consequences. This can motivate us to find a deeper meaning and live purposefully, or it can lead to conflict and aggression. For me, the key takeaway from these theories is that if we repress thoughts of death and keep them in our subconscious, they will keep eating away at us. We have no control over them. It's better to bring this in the open and actively contemplate it so we're conscious about how we think about our own mortality. So how should we actively think about our own mortality? Let's turn to ancient Greek philosophers who lived 2,500 years back and were known for their profound insights. Epicurus, one of those philosophers, contemplated death extensively. He famously said, While we exist, death is not present. When death is present, we do not exist. From this perspective, fearing death is pointless since death cannot harm us while we are alive. And when we are dead, we won't even be conscious to experience any negative feelings. Taking this line of thinking further, Roman philosopher Lucretius argued that we didn't exist in a conscious state before we were born. Yet, we didn't feel bad about that period of non-existence. So, if we were born in, let's say, 1980, for all the years before 1980, we were in the same state of non-existence as we will be after death. So, why do we fear death? Both these are states of non-consciousness. That's an interesting argument, right? Lucretus then goes on to remind us that when we are dead, we won't be able to miss anything because we won't be conscious. So that was the Greeks with their rational argument. Now for practical advice, let's go to the Stoic philosophers. They were known for their practicality. They approached death with the mindset of memento mori. Remember that we will die. If you remember episode 6 on Stoicism that we'd done earlier, we talked about Stoics always looking at what they can control and focusing on that. That's how they looked at death. And they felt that while they cannot control death itself, they can control their thoughts and attitudes towards it. They believed that by regularly reflecting on our own mortality, we can not only normalize this concept, but our perspective also changes. We realize the importance of living in the present moment, understanding that we have limited time and ensuring that we live a good life. Seneca expressed this idea very well. He said, it's not that we have a short time to live, but that we waste a lot of it. So now that we've looked at death through multiple perspectives and multiple theories, let's bottom line here. I'd like to leave you with three thoughts around death. First, there is some evidence suggesting that death may be a happy and peaceful place. Even if you don't believe in it, we shouldn't assume that death is automatically dark or gloomy simply because it's uncertain. Second, even if we avoid talking about death, it lingers in our subconscious, generating fear and anxiety. It's better to confront and acknowledge it consciously so we can manage our thoughts and emotions around it. Third, by regularly reflecting on our death, normalizing it and using it as an inspiration, 
we can give ourselves the best chance to find meaning and purpose in our lives. In reality, the question, what happens when we die, isn't the right question because that sends us around a rabbit hole which leads nowhere. Instead, the better question is, what do we do until we die? This shifts our perspective, puts control back in our hands and empowers us to create a meaningful life for ourselves. If the topic of death resonated with you, here's an action step we could all consider. If you've been listening to my podcast regularly, you will know I often ask my guests this question. At the end of your life, how would you know you've lived a good life? I suggest you take some time, maybe 30 minutes, sit in a quiet corner, maybe have a notepad with you or maybe even your phone where you could record what you want to say and close your eyes and ask yourself this question. At the end of my life, how would I know I've lived a good life? See what comes up. Just write it down. Let it flow. Speak it out. And after you've done that, take a moment to look at your current life and see where you are right now. Compare it to where you'd like to be at the end of your life. And what are the changes you can make to live that good life? Best of luck as you think of your mortality. The next episode will launch two weeks from now on July 4th, Independence Day in the US. For this special day, we have an American guest, William Irvine. William is a leading globally recognized authority on Stoicism. His path-breaking book, The Guide to a Good Life, has been credited in bringing Stoicism to the mainstream. He's appeared in the world's top podcasts, in the top magazines, and we're extremely privileged to have the man himself, William Irvine, in the How to Live podcast two weeks from now. It's not an episode you want to miss out. Do join us for that. Till next time, have a wonderful day ahead. Bye-bye.